This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 13, Episode 14. This is Writing Excuses, Character Nuance. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Amal. I'm Maurice. And we're going to talk about characters who contradict themselves. Yay! It's one of my favorite topics for this year. Well, and it's because, for me, this is a thing where the character just comes with baked-in conflict. Mm. And also, for me, is is something where they are uh, most realistic. Um, everybody is made up of of conflict all the time. Like I am, <clears throat> just to say a very simple real world example. I am afraid of heights, mm. uh, but I also perform with marionettes and worked on Elmo and Grouchland, and they had to haul me forty feet above the stage floor and drop me, <gasps> and I was fine because I had a marionette in my hand. Huh. Mm. But the idea of doing that exact same thing for fun, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I am um, a liberal rationalist Mormon. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) And you run into this all the time that in the real world, people have very intricate and often self-contradictory motivations and backstories and even emotions about various things. Mm -hmm. But in books, it seems like a lot of the time you're like, we are going to paint the sketch of this one person. Um, And... I want to talk about digging in and making characters self-contradictory or wear different hats or these sorts of things and just giving our listeners tools for approaching it. So using examples you've used from your um, your own stories or you've seen done really well, how do we actually do this without making characters just seem irrational? Just Well, well I think uh, one of the core aspects of just being human is, uh, you know, I—, I I look at myself and I go, you know what? There's the story of Maurice. There's the story of how I project myself to you guys. But then there's the story that goes on inside Maurice that says, you know what? You know, these people might secretly hate me, hmm. you know, or I'm not that smart or, you know, I'm not that handsome. A lie. Right. But that we, is. We, we, did, we didn't object to the I'm not that smart. Right. Like, yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, that's what it boils down to. There are lies that, uh, that we believe about ourselves mm-hmm. uh, versus you know, what we try to project to others. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's an inherent contradiction that, frankly, just makes us human. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you guys one that, that all of you are experiencing, which is imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, and it, it gets worse a lot of times the the more your career is is going forward. Like yeah. Amal just won a, a whole bunch of awards. It is true. It is and, true. And uh, what happens a lot of times with these things is that you have an internal map and circumstances change so that your internal map no longer matches the landscape that you're actually moving through. And this is, this is why I said these are, are such ripe potential for, uh, for a character conflict. Because when you create a character who has self-doubt who, um, who, and is masking it, uh, and that's one of the things uh, that you can do with the nuance is make sure that their, their internal life is, is different and, and signposts to the reader that they are deliberately presenting mm-hmm. themselves. That's one of the ways you can keep a reader from going, well, this character seems contradictory, is to, to hang a flag on it. 
Um, what you can do then is is have a character who actually becomes less and less secure the more they succeed as they're going through a, a, a story. Yeah, I I really love that example, especially because uh, there are actually ways to make that not seem contradictory as well. I, I think maybe that is part of the nuance is um, showing how those two seemingly paradoxical things cohere. If someone is becoming more and more, <laughs> just to use totally not myself as an example, um, <laughs> if someone is... Uh, <clears throat> Is, is winning all sorts of awards and things and at the same time feeling less certain about their career, then that can be, you know, because it's it's like you're, you're rising up on a great height and the fear of falling is that much greater. Um, those are two things that are related to each other and they're not irrational um, if, if put that way. Uh, and there's, in fact, if you were to really dig into the logic of it, there's no reason why one success should lead to another any more than the like the sun rising one day means the sun is definitely going to rise the next day. It's like an, an old logic problem. But so I think showing up how those contradictory things can coexist is a big part of nuance. And I think part of that is looking, maybe one way of looking at it is to see a character as a terrain uh, or an, an ecosystem, an environment of which you're emphasizing one feature over another at a different point. So the fact that, you know, you're, you're focusing on the river doesn't mean that there isn't also, um, I don't know, Moss, something that doesn't do with rivers, right. you know. Um, but you'll you'll focus on the one, and then you'll pull back to the other, and these things will be interrelated, but it might not be obvious at first. Yeah, I, um, when I'm trying to develop characters, I'm also trying to look at like what are the cores of who they are, mm-hmm. and where will the cores of who they are brush against one another, mm-hmm. right? And um, I always find that a character who's questioning is like is always going to feel real, is always going to help with this. Right. Yeah. Um, it's that little hanging a lantern on it. Yeah. Um, if, if you you take the character, like, like totally unlike me, who maybe <laughs> really, really, really like science, is rationalist, all these things, until the question of does God exist comes up, and they say, of course God exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at those that, that conflict and what is causing those two things. And I think that maybe it's this way in um, in real life, maybe not, but I think most of us, at some point, do have those questions. Well, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not. Um, and they think about it. And we, I don't know, characters who are thinking about things and actually asking the questions that the reader would be asking, mm-hmm. I think gives the reader in some ways the permission to say, oh, okay, this character is of two minds on a topic. And I will be willing to go with them on either of these directions. Absolutely. And I think that there, we can also talk a little bit about the difference between uh, – a character's beliefs and a character's mm-hmm. MO, right? Mm-hmm. And how those things can be in conflict um, in ways that need resolution. And here I am going to like go hyper nerdy um, and and ask if <laughs> any of you... This is the way we love it. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone here heard of Sorting Hat Chats? Yes. So Sorting Hat Chats is a... It's a, it's a work of art. It's a work of genius. It's basically... <laughs> um, a bunch of Harry Potter fans got together to make the sorting hat system work in, in Harry Potter. And the way they do this, I think Novel Wolf described this as like INTJ for nerds or something like that, or whatever, that, that Myers-Briggs for nerds, that's yeah. what she says, uh, cross a little bit with horoscopes, where basically instead of being sorted into Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, uh, Slytherin, and 
Ravenclaw, um, you'll have a primary house and a secondary house. And your primary house is your why, is like, you know, what is your motivations, your your deep-held beliefs about the world. Your secondary is your how and your toolkit. So you can absolutely have like a huffle slith you know, or, or a griffin claw and stuff. And those, um, and those things are fraught with conflict, and yet they're also endlessly resolvable um, with different frameworks to put around them. That's really cool. That it's is so that great. Is really, really cool. Yes. That would make... That makes some good homework. Oh, yeah, dude, figure out who you are or who you characters are. Yeah. According, and by the way, it's uh, it's on Tumblr. Sorting hat. It's I think it's sortinghatchats.tumblr.com or just okay. Google sorting hat chats uh, mm-hmm. and it'll come up. There's a master post that explains everything in great detail, and there's no quiz. Crucially, oh, that's awesome. There's yeah. no quiz. You just have to read. It's literally homework. You have to read so much stuff and then uh, figure it out for yourself. And your sorting of yourself is obviously the canon. It's canonical. So. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, Maurice... Let's stop for our book of the week, and you are going to tell us about Buffalo Soldier. Oh, Buffalo Soldier. Yeah, so Buffalo Soldier is uh, my novella from Tor.com, and it takes place in my steampunk universe. And uh, so what we have is uh, we have an espionage agent who is recently from Jamaica, Mm -hmm. and he has taken – Basically, taking a child from Jamaica uh, out of the, you know, from the control of the government. The government had created this child as a a part of their experiments. He's basically the uh, clone of Haile Selassie, you know, as you do. (laughs) Um, And so he's on, uh, and so they're on a trek through uh, the steampunk vision of America, going through the nation state of Texas and uh, trying to make their way to the West Coast that is uh, still controlled by the Native Americans. And so, um, it's a, a tale of, of espionage and intrigue, uh, you know, running run through uh, uh, this uh, new landscape, you know, while being chased by, you know, agents, assassins, and giant robots. <laughs> that is amazing. And that's a, that's a tour.com? Tour.com. So you can just awesome. go read that on tour.com, right? Oh, what, oh no, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's when they're not a novella oh, series. they're novella yeah. series. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, can I can I jump on something that um, Amal said, um, which was she was talking about thinking of the person as an ecosystem, and and it's suddenly like one of those moments of epiphany that I, I always talk about a character should have multiple goals, right? That we we don't have a single goal. And when you have a character who seems unnuanced, it is because they usually have one goal and it's not in conflict with anything else. Mm. But it occurred to me that if we actually do think of it as an ecosystem and think about your character as uh, creating your character as uh, um, as uh, world building, mm-hmm. that that a lot of these things I think will will pop into place. Now we'll, we'll talk about backstory later, but um, 
But the the three world-building questions that I always tell people to ask are why, which is the past, how, and that was the thing that made me go, ah, <laughs> um, which is which is the how they are experiencing the given moment and the and the with with what consequence, mm-hmm. with what effect, and and I think that one of the things that you can do with the character is is begin to look at how these different aspects of self. Uh, Interact. So if we go back to something I talked about previously where we have role, relationship, status, and competence, yeah. um, in each case they're going to have their own story about how they get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my mom as an example, and, and she has actually okayed this. Um, so mom comes from uh, you know, a, a family with a – like when there was a point where she actually literally had a dirt floor, you know, dirt poor. And when you meet her, you have no idea that this is her past at all. Uh, she's incredibly polished. She she presents as if she is old Southern money. And part of it is because she is constantly compensating for her backstory, huh. uh, for, for, this, her, for her why. So her how is that she is constantly compensating and trying to present herself as incredibly polished, whereas her internal life is, what will people think? Hmm. That is the thing that is that is the fear and the goal is that is driving her it frequently. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. she's really mom's fantastic. So let me let me pitch this one at you. Um, a lot of times we wear lots of different hats, mm-hmm. and our surroundings, the group that we're among, is going to severely change mm. how we interact with the mm. world. Um, how do you write characters this way? Oh. So this has been something that, uh, you know, I struggle with uh, quite often, actually, because I end up uh, jumping from, I I call it from world to world, you know, personally, you know, because, you know, I'm black and then I have to, you know, I'm I'm in the white world a lot of times. And then plus my family's from Jamaica, so I'm not have to go, uh, you know, interact in that world for a while. And so one of the things I realized, you know, thinking of myself as a character is just one of the subtle things is how I code switch from environment to environment. You know, I'm going to sound this way, you know, hanging out with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to sound a little different if I'm on the corner hanging out with some of my fellows. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to sound a little different. I have a different vocabulary that I'm going to be using, a different cadence and all that that I I use in in that situation versus when I'm uh, hanging out with family. Uh, And that's just one of those little things that that go into building building myself as a character, for Mm -hmm. example. Yeah, thinking of it with family, I mean, it it plays into the history that you have with each of these different groups, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the shared experience, the things that the stories they'll share, um, and things like this. You'll have a different experience hanging out with people who've been at science fiction cons a lot, right. yeah. um, than you will with people who've grown up in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and you'll mm-hmm. have a shared experience with each of them. And yeah. I think maybe that's something to drill down into for the characters because right. I've noticed that I don't do this enough in my writing, right? And it's one of those things that I feel like will make my writing more realistic mm-hmm. if I can learn to do a better job of it. Yeah. Right. I think even like digging deep into that idea of different hats, what does it mean to have different hats? It means that you're using some kind of sartorial signifier to move through different environments in different ways. I think of like, uh, I, I think this was, again, I, I keep talking about Joe Walton's books because I love them. Um, she had. Uh, <laughs> she's very good at nuanced characters. She is. She's, she absolutely is. And in fact, I mean, this was not the book I was going to talk about, but in her book, My Real Children, she is looking at one character uh, in two alternate realities in a kind of sliding doors esque situation. So this one character, but with these life choices goes there, and with these life choices go there, goes there, and totally different. But no, thinking of the hats. Um, 
she, she wrote a book years ago called Tooth and Claw, which is like Pride and Prejudice with Dragons. Uh, and, uh, and there are, they have a law system like humans do, and they have barristers who have to be in a court of law, and they have to uh, wear their wigs and stuff. And one uh, lawyer representing the family uh, explains that he's going to use that wig in different ways at different points, where if he wants to appear like a country bumpkin who doesn't know what he's doing, he's going to fumble his wig a little bit before the judge. Um, you, you basically, in this court system, you have to switch wigs when in a really fluid way when you're making arguments or something like that. That's been years since I've read it. But um, when he's not trying to make himself appear this way, he is going to move as fluidly as he knows how because he's very, very competent. But when he wants to signal something else, he's going to do that. So so I think that just thinking of different hats as not just a kind of facile way of talking about different roles, but really thinking about what it means to be on, be representing, be be um, just like what does that hat mean about again your environment, about the people you're going to interact with. Yeah, the, the the thing is that, and this is very meta. While while you were telling a story about your character, your character is also telling stories about themselves to other people. Oh, that's such a good way of putting it. Yes, I mean that's yeah. every time we say something, there's something that we're trying to accomplish. Sometimes it's because you know I'm just trying to look clever, and wow, that backfired. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's to get information, but there's there's always a reason behind that. There is a there's a way you're trying to present yourself, mm-hmm. um, and there's different aspects of yourself that you bring to the fore depending on the situation that you're in. So uh, I've talked on previous podcasts about um, objective versus super objective, which is a a theater thing, that your super objective is kind of your overarching uh, primary uh, driving force, Hmm. like uh, vanity or uh, safety or something like that. There's, There's something that you're driving that is and your objective is the the concrete thing that you're trying to do in that moment. And often, what you choose for objective is is wrong. Hmm. Um, and this is this is a thing that I think that you can do with uh, trying to create nuance for your characters is, is to let them be wrong about things. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are out of time. It's another one of those topics we probably could have gone on for <laughs> hours and hours. Um, and I'm going to use a director's prerogative and say our homework is going to be. Um, yeah, we're going to do the thing a mouse suggested. <laughs> Yay! Sorting hat chat. Sorting, Sorting hat, hat chat. Chats. Go look it up, read it, and sort yourself or one of your characters into awesome. one of these houses with subhouses. Yes. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. 
I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 